dust and breath we are living. For me, vocational ministry and the stresses and the pressures really revealed some gigantic cracks in in my marriage. And I didn't know how to I didn't know how to deal with them. My personality was uh, of the mind that I was gonna I was gonna just try harder to be a better husband or try harder to be somebody my wife could love. That was Scott Perkins, author of the book Tree of Lies, in which he tells that story about working at a large church where everything was going up and to the right except for his life and his marriage. And the book starts with the story of him resigning and pursuing a different relationship, getting separated from his wife, and then finally learning about where his true self really is, what his false self really is. And we had just a fascinating conversation about all of that. So uh, you're going to love this conversation. I immediately love Scott. And uh, so listen to the conversation and then go out and buy his book called Tree of Lies. Enjoy. Well, hey, friends, I am here with uh, a new friend, Scott Perkins. He's the author of a book called Tree of Lies, and it is gorgeous. And you're going to find out why in just a couple minutes. But uh, hello, Scott. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, Steve. Thank you so much for having me on. Well, I, I, you know, this has taken a couple months for us to figure out a date to do it. And so I'm just thankful for your, for your patience as I, as I made it through the holidays and all that stuff. But, um, so this book, Tree of Lies, it it just gripped me from the very first, uh, couple of pages. And because you start with a story of such, uh, vulnerability, I wanted to ask you to at least give us, you know, some of some of that story, if you would, Scott, because I think that just brings us right into the meat of why you wrote this book. Yes. Yeah, so the introduction to the book is called uh, "Not Such a Good Friday," yeah. and it talks about the day that I resigned from my job as a, an associate pastor at a church that was growing really fast, was reaching a lot of people. Um, and was was doing a lot of good things. And I'd been with that church since it was just a couple hundred people. And when I resigned, it was, you know, it was approaching 2,500 people. Wow. And I resigned just because I was going to start pursuing life on my own terms. You know, I was done with my marriage. I had found somebody who found me interesting. And I was I was going to go off and start start a new life. So that is the moment that everybody picks up my story uh, on page one of, of Tree of Lies. Yeah, and it's really, I mean, it's like I could, you know, Scott, I told you before we press record, I've worked at large churches. And as you were describing some of the pressures that come with that, some of them include you know, people sort of treating you like a robot and not a human being as if you have to have uh, the answers and you can't uh, really show any of your gritty side. And you certainly, certainly can't flirt with uh, leaving your wife. Uh, mm -hmm. Right. So um, tell me a little more about some of the despair you must have been feeling um, as you were writing that resignation letter. Yeah. So, I mean, I, the, the path that I had taken 
after feeling like I was called by God to pursue vocational ministry was was a tough one. It, it was not a linear path uh, by any means. And so when I'm writing this letter, I, I'm thinking back to to, to that path. And I'm, I'm asking God, why in the world did you call me if this is the way that it's going in, going to end? What, you know, what was your purpose in this? And f- for me, vocational ministry and the stresses and the pressures really revealed some gigantic cracks in, in my marriage. And I didn't know how to, I didn't know how to deal with them. My personality was, uh, of the mind that I was gonna, I was gonna just try harder to be a better husband, or try harder to be somebody my wife could love, and so that led to just me being exhausted from trying to uh, to be that, um, just to f- to fill that role, and so all of this is is going through my mind as I'm 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 writing that letter that I'm just I'm tired of, uh, I'm tired of being the the person that that has to be what my wife wants me to be. I grew tired of being pe- the person the people at church needed me to be, the person that was going to save the day, uh, was going to work hard, was going to give every ounce of energy of myself for them and get so little in return. Yeah. And so I had built my identity around re- these relationships. You know, the, my marriage relationship, I, my identity was was reflected back at me from the people of the church. And and ultimately, as as worldly identities will do, it failed me. It just stopped providing, uh, providing what I needed. And I didn't have the tools, uh, to, to go beneath that. Um, and some of that was the people around me were just, uh, committed to, I was doing a good job, so they were going to let it ride. And that's kind of how I got in the mess that I got in. And, and by the way, Steve, before I go any further, anyone who hear, hears this, I, I don't want anybody here. There's a, a sense of blame here. I am fully responsible for what I for what I did, my choices. Um, and nothing uh, nothing is about me is about blaming whether it's friends or my wife or anybody. Uh, it's it's all on me. Well, and that comes through, um, I think, really strongly in your book, Scott. Uh, thanks for saying that. Uh, though, um, but I, I I never picked up any any blaming attitude as I was reading or um, as I'm talking to you now. But I think that's good clarification, you know, because there are some some of us when we hit bottom, uh, the easiest thing to do is just lash out, and it's anyone's fault but mine. And so um, I think um, so to say that is powerful. Um, well, so and thanks. that's one of the shame responses, right? You know, there, we, we respond to shame by either fighting it or fleeing from it or uh, freezing in it. And so the, the fight response is, I'm going to blame others. You know, like like we're told uh, Adam and Eve did in the garden. They, is, they're confronted by God. They each blamed each other that, you know, Adam had the audacity to blame God, you know, it's your fault. You put this woman with me. Right. And so, you know, as I went through it, I, I did all those same things, right. God, I wouldn't be doing this if I was married to somebody different or, you know, like we, that that's one of the things we do to protect ourselves and from feeling worthless. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I love actually that that's right there in the Bible, right there in the beginning. I, you know, because that's such a human response. Uh, to blame someone else. I mean, I like I, I, I just love it. That's, that's one of the things I love most about the Bible is because it, it 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 reveals all the gritty, uh, gloriously evil things that are just mm-hmm. right there for all of us. So, um, well, 
you talk or you you write a lot about the false self and the true self as it connects to shame. So mm-hmm. could you talk a little bit more about what you mean by that? And I even heard the false self stuff in a lot of us get into ministry or getting to what, you know, whatever job you do, but especially ministry actually because of our false selves, right? And then mm-hmm. our, people hire our false selves because they look so good and so shiny. <laughs> and then pretty soon, mm-hmm. if we don't get healthy, we we end up hitting bottom and, and uh, there's a huge crack. So talk about the false self and the true self. Yeah, I heard... I heard uh, an interview you were doing with Ruth Haley Barton on her podcast, uh, and she said uh, she made that statement that we get hired for our false self. And I stopped. I was on. I was on a hike. I was listening to that. I had to stop and put that in my notes just because it that resonated so deep within me. Um, because you, you're right. That is what part of my book is about. That was my experience. I got hired because I was a great people person. I could form teams. I could form systems. And that was, you know, one of the reasons why this this church grew is there was there was places for people and it was natural for for it to grow. So my my false self uh, was was on display. And so when when I use the term false self, what I'm referring to is our tendency to try to find wholeness or a sense of completeness apart from God. And so it's the the part of us that the the image that we portray, our behaviors, our decisions, our actions that that give us the sense of worth that we that we crave uh, even at a soul level. And then so the true self is who we are when we are living and resting in the image of God, when we are when we are trusting Him, when we are secure that we matter because for no other reason than that we were created by Him and that Jesus, you know, came for for our salvation. That when we can learn to rest in those truths and make those part of our our mindset, and uh, then then uh, we're living from our true self. Right. And I think you would say that's a process. Obviously, it's a it's a journey. Uh, it's not a graduation where all of a sudden now I'm going to live for my true self from forevermore. No more false self, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah. I think that's one of the um, mistakes that a lot of the modern Western church makes is that we we talk about this conversion transaction or this experience, and then all of a sudden now I'm supposed to be all fixed. That I'm not supposed to struggle with uh, with the things I was struggling with the day before because now I'm in Jesus, and so then now my following Jesus gets filled with this sense of failure and shame because clearly it didn't work, it didn't set in because I'm still tempted to look at women, or I'm still tempted to take the the next drink, or whatever it is, I'm still tempted to busyness or uh, what whatever whatever it is that you struggle with and you're you're addicted to, uh, it, you you still are. Um, and I talk about that in the book that we, uh, that, that sometimes we treat Jesus like he's, he's a pill. And when I take the pill, I'm supposed to be all fixed. I'm not supposed to struggle. And, and I don't, I don't discount that God does miracles in people at all. I've seen it, but I also think that, uh, like you said, that, uh, that our developing and walking into our true self is a process of developing awareness of how we're broken, uh, how we, how, what our tendencies are are, uh, you know, what we default to under duress, like there, there's a lot that goes into this. Yeah. So talk to us a little bit, Scott, about how you made the move, at least the, the movement toward the true self. You resigned your job, 
you separated from your wife and then what was the process that led you to sort of hitting bottom so that you could actually eventually get well? Yeah. So, so I did, I spent the summer separated from my wife. I was, uh, attempting, as I said earlier, to start a new relationship. Uh, but what was going on in me is I was still just as, uh, just as miserable, just as exhausted, um, just as frustrated as I was before. And, and as an aside, the reason for that is I carried the same me into this new arrangement, right? Just just as Jesus isn't a, a, a pill to fix everything, making this life decision wasn't going to be a pill that fixed everything. And so I'm like, I, I had uh, what I consider a miraculous moment. Um, it's one of the couple times God has really I would say smacked me up the side of the head. I was driving down the highway. I four is the main thoroughfare through through Central Florida. I I was driving in the slow lane because I was uh, I was really literally afraid to die because I I kept telling God, hey, if I can just move into this new relationship and start to do good works, you'll see how you'll see how good I can be and how much work I can do for you, and it'll all be worth it. Like this was this was what I was uh, you know the bargain I was trying to make with God. So you know I, I knew deep down that I was, I was being selfish and what I was doing was wrong, but I was trying to justify it, but the ends justifying the means. And so I'm just, I'm actually, I must've looked like a crazy person because I was just screaming at God in the car and I was Mm. beating on the steering wheel. And I was just like, why, why don't you love me? Why can't I have what I need? And I was just, and, uh, and so what happened to me is I blinked my eyes and kind of burned into my vision was the, the, was the words, it's your sin. Like the, something like that had never happened to me. I'm not given to any sort of things like that. I, I don't actually share that uh, too, too often because uh, I don't want people to think that, I, that that's what I demand from God. And, and even, though, even though that happened, my false self still said that it – the, the sin he was referring to was my actions and my behaviors, right? And so I attempted to start cleaning things up. And um, fortunately, um, God directed me. I, I, I sat down with a counselor and a spiritual director, um, a really wise woman locally, and uh, and we began to – we began to just – look at my motivations and what, what was going on inside me that, that the fruit was me leaving my wife and the fruit was this frustration and anger and, and really kind of get down to the core of, of who I am. And then also then to say, okay, how can, how are you avoiding God in this? And that's when I began to learn about the, the true self and the false self. Also a fantastic book, um, if, if anyone is looking for something amazing to read by uh, Moholland, um, it's called uh, – he has a pair of them. Uh, they're, they're, one comes after the other, but the, it's the second one I really love. It's called The Deeper Journey, and in that he defines the true self and false self and the questions of, the, the questions of identity that we, we try to answer in order to create, uh, create worth and uh, the, you know, the who, who am I. Uh, kind of questions. And, and they're actually in my book, I, I expand on and talk about the, the three questions of identity and, and, and go, you know, kind of build on what, what he did. But I love that. I love that book. So that's Robert Mulholland, The Deeper Journey. We will put that on the show notes. Um, so you, it's so fascinating because I think most people, they would hear that story. It's your sin. 
well, of course, you know, you're, you're separated from your wife, you're in a different relationship, that's the sin, but you realized that that was not, that, that those were just symptoms, those were just fruit of a, of a deeper root. So um, that is the, what I read as one of the core central messages of your book, is that most of us focus on behaviors, we focus on trying hard to do the right things, trying hard not to do the wrong things, and that's a completely misguided journey because it never gets us to the heart of the matter, right? So um, what is, as you write about this, what is the central lie? The, the central lie is that I can find wholeness apart from God, that, that ultimately, uh, ultimately my pride is going to work for me. And it's the, it's the lie from, you know, from, from page two of the Bible where the, the enemy, the serpent comes to, to the first couple and, and gets them to, uh, gets them to question who God is. And so in the, in that moment, what, what I think the, the, their, their first sin is, is turning their face away from God and turning it to something else, whether that be an actual apple or whatever, it doesn't really matter what that is, but it's that turning away that disconnect from the source of who they are. Um, and they, they bought the central lie. They bought the lie that there was something apart from God that was going to make me complete or better. Um, and God was withholding it from them. And it's interesting, I love how you just talked about, like there's a number of different things that we can replace for God. It's not always the quote unquote bad behaviors like addictions or uh, or infidelity. It can be ministry, right? I mean, it can be the way in which we work for God. It can be perfectionism. It can be the way in which we live through our kids. Uh, there's just an endless array of things that um, that might substitute for the thing that we really need. Yeah, uh, w- the way I try to relate this, and I hope it comes across uh, verbalizing it, is when we try to use our fruit to feed the root of who we are. So, and that's why ministry becomes this. Uh, this way of creating our identity. And I think that's why so many pastors are struck, uh, stuck in exhaustion and depression is because, you know, they're quote unquote working for God, right? So all of the, all of these things that they're doing, it should be feeding their sense of, of significance about who they are. Um, and ultimately then when it becomes about the fruit, you get divorced from who you're even doing these, these things for. And, and that's what, that's kind of the rut that I, I came into is I was always looking for the next ministry opportunity so that people could express their pleasure in who I was and, and, and how God was using me in their lives. And that was what was feeding my sense of who I am rather than me being connected to the image of God. Rather than me delighting and resting in Christ and letting the fruit come out from there and 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 having no impact on whether I thought good or bad of myself. Right, man. Uh, why do you think, Scott, so many people opt for what you might call the try-hard religion versus the real journey of transformation? I I think there's two main things. I think it's 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 easier to get quicker results, and, uh, and and the other reason is that it's 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 quicker, right? Yeah. Like when we 
when we have to dig down into who we are and we have to substitute the truth of Christ for the lies that we believe about ourselves and our place in the world and what our purpose is, that takes time. And uh, you might not, the fruit of that might not be visible to everybody else uh, quickly. So when I put on the I'm going to try harder attitude and I'm going to clothe myself in my own good works and uh, my, my own looking good. Uh, people see that it's it's quicker. And we live in this we live in this culture that demands perfection and demands productivity and it demands it quickly. And that's just not the way that that's just not the way I find that Jesus works in my life, in the people that I've uh, I've I've coaches life. And also when you read the Bible, that's that's not how he that's not how he worked with them either. Right. Oh, my gosh, that's so true. And yet you're right. We we want the formula. Give me the quick fix. Uh, but as you write about in the book, typically, even if it works for a while, uh, it, it ends up an exhausting way to live. And you point that out so beautifully. Uh, and so the, other, the, some of the big themes that I walked away from your, from your book with were the idea of genuine freedom and genuine rest. So talk mm -hmm. a little bit about how that at the end of the day is the long lasting fruit from, uh, going to God with your pain instead of going towards something else. Yeah. So, the, so the genuine freedom is the uh, ability to um, understand that the circumstances of my life uh, do not necessarily communicate who God who God sees me as and who God th thinks I am. And so, like the example I would use is. I I have come in contact with, and I know a lot of pastors of smaller churches who are frustrated and exhausted because their church isn't growing numerically, and that's what they see as success, and that's what they define as a good pastor or church leader is is a ever growing flock of people, and so by by resting their identity in who who Jesus says they are, that they are they are loved by Christ. They have, they have been chosen by Christ coming to to live in this world. That that he 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 sees us. He he knows the needs and the temptations of our life. When we can rest in that, then that pastor, whether he has more people on a Sunday or fewer people on a Sunday, he doesn't get wrecked either way by by what has just happened. So he now has or she just has freedom. Uh, freedom from the standards uh, of the world and what the world says success is, um, and and we we can live in that, and that's so countercultural for 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 what we walk in every day, right. um, and so we can have we can have rest in our soul and our identity when I don't have to strive. You know, I think about uh, I think about the moms that I've come in contact with when I've worked at church and how stress and hard they work to make sure their kids act appropriately. You know, I, I'm sure you've seen, you've been out to dinner and you've seen a mom totally frustrated because their kids won't sit still and they won't stop screaming. And, oh, that's and, us at restaurants, man. What do you, I mean, that's like <laughs> me and my wife at restaurants every time. We don't even go to restaurants anymore. 
<laughs> my daughter's 17, so I'm I'm beyond <laughs> that 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 phase of life. But yeah, and so and what we do is we we take people's looks and we take how our yeah. child is behaving as a reflection on who we are. Right. Oh, I'm failure as a parent because uh, I I can't bring my I can't bring my child to the outback and have them sit still, which they're not created to do for 60 straight minutes. You know, so. Uh, then you can have rest in the, those moments. It I mean, doesn't mean that doesn't make it hard, right? It doesn't mean that you might not still be embarrassed by something, but it doesn't become this thing that strikes at the core of who you are, causing shame and right. and 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 causing the shame response to fight, fight, flight, or freeze to 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 take action. Does that make sense? Oh, it makes total sense. It makes total sense because I think that's um, which leads me to my next question, actually, because you talk. Uh, you write in the book about uh, triggers and lies. So what are the so let's let's imagine someone has actually done the hard work and is really living from their true self more than they had been in the past. Mm-hmm. And then they hit something that really triggers them. Talk about what happens in our brains and in our bodies when we get triggered and shame takes over. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so we still live in this broken world, right? This world that we were raised in. So we have relational systems that we had operated in quite naturally, and we learned how to to get what we want out of those relational systems. We live in this world that's filled with different power systems, and so again, uh, we've learned at some level to navigate and chart our course so that we get the we get the responses we want. So when we're living out of our true self, though, we can't just think that those things go away. Right. You know, we can live in awareness and we can we can fight them and we can be connected to the image, but there can be things that strike at us deeply and we we then face the temptation to to revert back to those ways of behaving and the ways of making decisions that that worked. Uh, got us the results we wanted that were comfortable and familiar to us. And this is what we all experience in marriage, right? That, you know, we, we begin, once we get past the honeymoon phase of being married to someone, now we live with this person who knows us, who knows what hurts us, who knows what ticks uh, about us. And, and so they can strike us, uh, strike us to our core. And so marriage is this process of an ever deepening awareness so that I can, I can relate to myself and I can relate to the other person better and better. But what do we do? We fall into these patterns of, for me, it was people pleasing. I was trying to do what made my wife happy because I figured if my wife was happy, then my marriage was happy and I was going to get the things that I wanted. And this was what I had learned in my relational systems. Right. You know, not intentionally. My, I had, I was blessed to have two parents that loved me and sacrificed for me. But you still, even with the best parents, you get broken in your relational systems. You you learn some some lessons maybe that weren't intended. And so, my my lesson was I needed to make people happy in order to be loved, yeah. and it was earned. And so those become those become the the triggers in our life. And so as we grow deeper in our true self, we can identify those things. We can identify them quicker. We don't go as deeply into the, to the shame response. Um, my spiritual director that I mentioned earlier, she, she talks about spiraling down into shame because what happens is, is shame begets more shame, right? right? I'm, I, I feel worthless about myself, but Jesus is supposed to make me not feel worthless. And now I feel even worse, you know, yeah, uh, yeah. about it until, uh, and so it's, Becoming more and more fully you, 
also entails uh, being able to identify that and and combat that. And that again, like we said before, that's that's a process. It takes time um, and it takes awareness. And again, we live in a culture that doesn't like to take a lot of time on things and doesn't like awareness. We like noise and busyness and distraction. And we don't want to have to confront the the thoughts that are going on in our head and and the lies we believe about ourselves. We would just rather stuff those and ignore them and move on. Right. Man. All right, Scott, last question, man, this, this, uh, this time just flew by, but if, if someone is at the point where they're realizing, man, I, I know I need to take this journey away from the false self toward the true self. Uh, well, how would you suggest they start? Uh, when, when I'm working with somebody one-on-one, the place that I always start is, trying to, you know, after getting to know them, I, I, I try to start a, what do you believe about God and going there and, and trying to understand what, what is the picture of God? Are you serving a God who is angry at you and bitter at you? Are you serving a, a God or do you believe in a God who is supposed to be your vending machine and give you anything that you want and make your life happy? And that's why you live disappointed in, in who he is. And so I would I would dig down into that and where that came from so that we could begin to substitute truth and learn who God is and 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 develop trust in God. Because really, again, going back, chapter chapter two, that was what the serpent attacked in Adam and Eve, right? He he attacked this idea that God was trustworthy, that right. God had their best interests in heart. And that's what the the relational systems and power systems of this world th- that's how what they form in us is this ultimate distrust in in god's ultimate goodness and trustworthiness oh man so true well scott perkins ladies and gentlemen tree of lies go out and get this book uh it's beautiful it's so well written and Scott, if people wanted to uh, read any of your other stuff or get in touch with you, is there a website you would point them to? Yeah, the easiest website to go to would be treeoflies.com. And there's a there's a contact Scott link. There is a uh, a link to my blog that's on uh, on my on my personal site. And then if anybody is interested in maybe taking a next step, I have a just a a, a, a little worksheet that you can download if you go to treeoflies.com forward slash good word. And, uh, and it's just something you can download and it's just a bunch of questions that you can reflect on and, con- uh, and meditate on and begin to maybe get some awareness of, uh, the false self's activity in your life. Beautiful. Well, I will include all those things on the show notes. So just go to steveweens.com or click in the window with whatever uh, audio player you, you're playing this in. And you can find links to uh, the Robert Mulholland book, The Deeper Journey, Scott's book, Tree of Lies, and also uh, the worksheet that Scott just talked about. So uh, thanks so much, Scott. Thanks for your time. Thanks for your vulnerability, your wisdom. Um, it, it just is so, it's so good and so needed. So um, peace to you, my friend. Uh, Peace to you, and thank you for making space uh, for me uh, on your podcast. This was fantastic. Oh, man, you're so welcome. Thanks so much for listening. You can follow me on Facebook at Steve Ween's Author. 
Twitter at Steve Weens and Instagram at Steve Weens. And you can find all my work, all my books, the show notes, all kinds of other fun stuff on my website, steveweens.com. And please consider supporting me on Patreon. Lots of fun benefits for all levels of patrons. Check it out at patreon.com slash this good word.